This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Signals from the Frontline. Every Wednesday live cast here on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook. Boom. Yeet. Uh, we just got Reeves a Snapchat, so <laughs> that's that's why he's he's eating random intros out there. Yeet. Yep. Right? Is. Did I do it right? Is yeah. that how the kids are doing it these days? Uh, that's very cringe. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I yeeted correctly. Yep. It was lit. Totally. Can't wait. It was radical. Now we're talking. Anyway, besides stupid words that kids say today, this show is about tabletop gaming. Thank you for joining us. Brought to you by FrontlineGaming.org, where you can get tabletop gaming products at discounted prices with free shipping options within the continental United States of America. All right, with me today is the one, the only, the Rhino. And I'm your host, Rhesius. And we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. The main topic of the show today is going to be the Space Marine Codex and the Necron Codex. We are not going to do a deep dive, but we are going to talk about some of the things we like in them, because obviously every pundit in the 40k community is talking about this right now so we are not gonna just repeat what everybody else is saying we're gonna come at you with some cool stuff a lot of opinions unbased facts and wild speculation none of it's gonna be useful for you at all not at all (laughs) hopefully some of it's useful but uh, we're gonna give you a different take on this topic and hopefully enjoy it thanks everybody for joining us live if you are listening to this on a uh, podcast format or on youtube please make sure to like and subscribe And if you want to join the live show, you can do so 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You can join in on the chat and interact with us live. Typically correct us when we say something stupid or incorrect or make fun of us. It's pretty fun. It's really good. It it keeps me humble. Yeah, yeah, great. I got my teammate in there calling me an old man. Thanks, Ray, you jerk. All right. So up for pre-order this week, obviously, you can get the new Space Marine and Necron Codex. In addition to some of the other really cool products like the absolutely stunning silent king uh model oh the, get him it's he's, the model's so he's so, six so models in one well mm. five six if you count the dais that he rides is insanely good it's one of the coolest models i've seen painting it's going to be a cast iron biatch but it'll be well worth it because it's going to look amazing uh and the rules are really good too we're going to talk about that the rhino has been tempted to the robot side he might be uh, doing the digital dance and starting a Necron army here pretty soon. And uh, I'm going to be talking about uh, Space Marines a little bit. But uh, that model is absolutely spectacular. And, of course, there's the Doomstalker, the Thick Boy, the Locust Heavy Destroyer. I love it. He's chonky as can be. <laughs> and, of course, there's a couple new Space Marine models, data cards, fun stuff like that. Ha-ha, if you wanted those dice, we only got one of each. Ha-ha-ha. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Oh, fun. If you wanted the Necron book, too. Uh, after we put in an order, GW was like, psych, son, you only get two. Yeah, so... Cool. so I <laughs> It's found, always fun when that happens. I found out why that book was so popular. It sold out faster than even the Indominus book when Indominus released the novel. Uh, and it's because it has a lot of really good new Necron fluff that's that no one's ever seen before. And, uh, n- no spoilers, but uh, they definitely do a lot of the Necron characters in that book justice. And it's a good read for anyone who's just interested in the 40k lore, specifically progressing the 40k storyline now so it, that's why it sold out really fast and uh, unfortunately i was late on the draw there i didn't know that and uh, i did not get a copy but. yeah and uh, 
thanks for hyping it up, Pablo, because if you wanted one tough, tough stuff, uh, you're not going to be able to get it because uh, we have to unfortunately tell some of our customers that we were told we were getting them and now we have to turn around and tell them that we're not. Yeah. We only got two. Yeah. So if you if you manage to get a hold of that copy, uh, definitely read it. Uh, you could probably sell it for what you sold it for on, or more. on secondhand or more. Yeah. Uh, I don't recommend that, but uh, but it, it more importantly, it, it's a really popular book and it sold out really, really fast. Yeah. So unfortunately, sorry if you wanted one and you ordered one with us and then we have to turn around and tell you, you didn't get it. Thankfully, that's not very many people. But um, yeah, that was that's frustrating. But, you know, these things happen. So let's jump on in and talk about some of what's coming up next week. I'm really excited for this release. It's not 40K, it's Age of Sigmar, the red-headed stepchild of the Games Workshop family. Just kidding, that is, what game would that be? Age Ooh? of Sigmar. Nah, who is the true red-headed stepchild of the Games Workshop lineup? Blood not Bowl? Blood, definitely Blood not Bowl Blood Bowl. Really it's, it's probably gotta be like, Warhammer like Underworlds? Necromunda? I don't know. Huh. Do you think, I think Necromunda is bigger than Warhammer Underworlds. I'm, I'm pure, purely speculating. Oh, oh, I know. Silver Tower, Warhammer Quest, Silver yeah, Tower. That's not really a fully supported game, but we'll, we'll ah, go there. Whatever. So at any rate, the big release for next week, in the addition Hobbit. in addition to more fun stuff um, that's coming out for Space Marines and Necrons, the big release, pun intended, yuck, yuck, mm. yuck, is going to be the Sons of Behemoth. Behemoth? Behemoth. It's like it's Final Behemoth. Fantasy. When you when I went to school and everyone's playing Final Fantasy, then you're like, I got Behemoth. And you know, someone else is like, it's Behemoth. And then you fight about it. Nobody knows. It's it's Behemoth and Behama is the is the dragon term. So, I, I don't know. You said that like you understood. Like, you, you said that with authority. So, I'm going to go with it. Fair enough. But I can't wait to get my hands on one of these uh, giant kits. They're like knight-sized uh, giants. They call them Gargants in Age of Sigmar. They look amazing. I can't wait. Uh, there's been quite a bit of hype. Nothing like this has come out for Age of Sigmar before. It's basically a knight army for Age of Sigmar. Um, you can play with the, the, the Mega Gargants, the Little Gargants. I don't remember what they're called. The giants. And uh, basically, it's like uh, armagers and knights. So, really excited for this. I'm definitely going to get one. such cool models, too. And that's, I'm getting one just to have it. Yeah, they're, they're insane. There's three of them. There's, it's one kit that makes three different models. And there's so much stuff packed into these models there's one of them has a guy hanging from a fish hook on his shoulder that it's super gruesome but um it's it, they're just really good models yeah they're, they're amazing the kit makes three different versions there's kind of like your standard man eater giant or man crusher and then there's the gate crasher he has like an executioner's hood and then the nautically themed one i think he's like the kraken eater or something like that yeah. uh really really cool i can't wait I, I i'm getting one for myself for for sure can't wait to uh paint it up and uh my mediocre paint job, I'm sure I'll put it on display as I always do when I actually paint something. So looking forward to that. And of course, there's other releases this coming weekend. Make sure to check out store.frontlinegaming.org. You can get them at discounted prices, free shipping options, and that'll be Saturday, this coming Saturday, <laughs> 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Woo-woo. The, the chat is on fire, there's by the way. There's some funny, I, funny comments. I, 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 I have to stop looking at it sometimes. <laughs> We're recording an episode, but... um. There's definitely, up, there's definitely an art to keeping an eye on the chat and not laughing. Right. <laughs> it, it's hard. Someone got me to look at my shirt. Yes. Was, uh, that, that, was, was, that was Nick Nonavati. Yeah, that was Nick Nonavati. However, he, that's how he wins 40K games is he gets you to look at your shirt. And yeah. Then... Uh, someone in the chat, I can't remember who exactly was saying that uh, Behemoth is the name of a Nordic god. Yep. That, that would make sense. That's very cool. Um, James Carmona says there's a chipmunk attacking, attacking my upper lip. No, James, that's pure masculinity it's testosterone made into physical 
a physical manifestation of it. This is me channeling Selig and Burt Reynolds at the same time. One side Selig, the other side's Burt Reynolds. It's Somewhere Burt Reynolds just rolled over. Just rolled is he still alive? Is he still oh, yes, yes. Okay, good. <laughs> Somewhere yeah. Burt Reynolds just felt the undesired need to punch someone. <laughs> I got to drive like a 67, like Chevy, like a Nova or a Camaro or something like that. That, that has to come. You know what you really have to do? Talk about some more Space Marines and Necrons. No way, with dude. We're going to talk about awesome some more models. 70s masculine icons. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's talk about Space Marines and Necrons, as Pablo so rudely interrupted me in my flight of fancy. Uh, so why don't we start with Necrons? Um, yeah. Again, we're not going to do a deep dive. We don't have enough time. And uh, there's a lot of people out there that are uh, doing that right now. Tabletop Titans is doing a good one um, on Goon, Chapter Goon Tactics. Hammer, chap we, we kind of covered it bare bones. Um, we kind of talked talk more about... Uh, the overall view of what a codex looks like in ninth edition and kind of what we liked specifically out of the books. Um, but we are going to do more of a deep dive here in this episode. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned in that episode as well, uh, I really wanted to talk about Necrons because there's a lot about this book that I really like. Uh, and I'm already kind of listening to some of the YouTubers and reviewers online talking about this codex, and I'm disagreeing with half of them. Um, and what I think that means, it means that there's a lot of interesting stuff in this codex and it, a lot of it looks untapped. The Necrons don't have a very big fan base. It's not like the Space Marine Codex where when their codex drops, there's like a trillion reviews, a trillion kind of consensuses about what, what's good and what isn't good. And what essentially comes out of the Space Marine Codex is a consensus top faction, top units that everyone runs. Always happens every edition, specifically with Space Marines because of how many people play the, the faction and how many eyeballs are on it. However, factions like Tyranids, Necrons, Gene Stealer, Cole, Admech, when they first came out, those tend to have more untapped potential in their codexes that I've found. And so I'm, that's why I'm really excited about this codex. Uh, and I just find myself, find myself disagreeing with what a lot of people are saying about what's good and what isn't good. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, let's jump in. And uh, really quick, an aside. Sorry, Phase Adam said, let's talk Dune. I wore my Dune shirt really quickly. So sad. 2020. You've been one heck of a crappy year. Dune got delayed till 2021. I was so sad that I wore my Dune shirt and I stayed up last night watching the David Lynch Dune again. I tried to explain it all to my girlfriend. She made it about 30 minutes in and left. And then I just kept explaining it to myself. It's so sad. I just had my, my cats, me, sadly watching Dune and being pissed that I have to wait another year to actually watch it, the new one in the theaters. It looked really cool. It's going to be spectacular. I'm trying to look at this silver lining. They're getting an extra year to really polish it. So, eh. Uh, mm. All anyway, right. Let's Necrons. talk about Necrons. So, so they've got something called Dynastic Codes now. That is their version of Chapter Tactics. Uh, and there are some good ones in here. I think the the consensus best ones are probably Mefret or Novak. Uh, Mefret gives you an extra three inch range to your shooting weapons, not including pistols. And then the ability to make a ranged attack on a six, you get an extra AP when, oh no, I'm sorry, at half range, it's the better version. So at half range, when you're making a ranged shooting attack, you get uh, an extra AP when you're shooting at half range, which for Necron blobs is insane. Uh, that was one of the most popular, um, that was one of the more popular ones. Yeah, you can leave, put it over here so you can read this. Yeah, because then you can talk to Yeah, so. It, that was already super popular was Mephrit. Um And then it's funny that you say Novak because that was what I played before anyway. Because mm -hmm. I liked to have the multi-threat of being able to shoot and then charge and then use Anrek here, the Traveler, to get the bonus attack. 
those big units of Necron Warriors, they're not great in combat, but you can make them competent in combat. So it's interesting you say that because that was what I was thinking as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Mephrit, Mephrit, they're great. They're, they really, I think they're probably the best one if you want to run Necron Warrior Blobs, uh, followed by Seracon, which I will talk about a little bit later. Uh, and then they also get the ability to benefit from both. Uh, it, we'll talk about the command protocol abilities. Essentially, real quick, because this gets really complicated, Necrons get something like Doctrines, where uh, they assign a command protocol to every turn in a battle round, and then you enact that command protocol, and then you pick a directive, which is one of two abilities that you give to everyone within nine inches of a Necron character, and then you, it's kind of like, so it's not an army-wide buff, but it, it's a buff, uh, and then certain um, dynastic codes let you select both directives instead of just one, and so this directive is the shooting directive, um, which buffs your shooting, so... Uh, it's pretty good. I, I really like it personally. I think it's probably the best one if you want to build a shooting gun-based style Necron army, if you want to take advantage of all those really cool Necron warriors that you got in your Indominus box. Uh, so Necrons have a lot of good shooting there. Uh, not not quite on the level of Space Marines. They do have some limiting factor. What Necron shooting really does is it, it brings you down with attrition and it gets access to a lot of abilities to increase their AP. So essentially what you're doing after a certain point is you're just put dropping mortal wounds down on things that don't have invuln saves yeah i mean you can put a lot of firepower you get a lot of like you said ap buffs one of the other things that jumped out at me about necrons was that i think i think you'll see a lot more necron players making the choice to do two different dynasties yep uh, more so than with space marines or uh, most armies right now are just one detachment that's that's the most normal most common way we're seeing it played in tournaments not that we have a lot of tournaments but uh with necrons when i was writing lists with them I really wanted to do one Novak uh, detachment with the with the melee units. Yep. And then I wanted to do like Mefrit or Sautek or, or another one for kind of my, my core units, like the, the majority of my army. And that way you could have one really aggressive detachment that goes in and gets maximum benefit. And then you have your, your detachment that's there to shoot, take objectives, hold ground, and uh, that kind of that kind of good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of Novak, uh, I really, really like their, their specific code. I don't know if it's necessarily something you'd want to build an army around just because it, it does push an all melee army, which I don't know if Necrons can do as well. You can spam Lich Guard, um, which, which are good, but are also very expensive. Uh, you could go like MSU melee, uh, and they do have some tricks to get close to you, but it's not like on the level of Blood Angels or White Scars or um, some of the other armies that get closer in your face. Uh, so, but what you can do with Novak is you, you get plus one to charge, um, so for all of the Novak units, and then you also get the ability to um, per, may, uh, perform a heroic intervention and then the close combat one which I think is probably one of the better command protocols you get the ability to uh, um, buff your combat I forgot but when we get to that we'll, we get to that one um, it's really good it's I think it's like an extra plus one strength and then plus one AP when you charge uh, it's something like that it's really really strong um, especially on units that uh, you kind of need that strength on think like lich guard with swords and storm shields uh, they don't get a strength bonus to their swords so something like that would be super useful for them but what i like about novak is with the ability to re-roll charge rolls uh, which is all over the there's a warlord trait there's a crypt tech that gives you that the crypt tech that gives you that the Chronomancer also gives you uh, re-roll charges and a five up invuln so you can throw that on something like um, flayed ones uh, 
And you can also use uh, the dimensional door relic, which lets you teleport a core unit, which I don't think flayed ones are core units, but Lich Guard are core units. So that's something I could see people using Novak for is the ability to teleport up a 10 man unit of Lich Guard with your reroll charge roll and plus one charge. And then you get uh, an eight inch rerollable charge with a bunch of different buffs on the charge as well too. So they'll be able to go in and blender anything. Um, that's that's really cool. That's what I like about Novak. I think that's also kind of why people are kind of moving towards them. Uh, and then the two kind of runner-ups, in my opinion, is uh, Nihilok, which there's not much to them except they give your entire army objective secured, which is obviously very, very powerful. Do they have a strat, though, that's look at this graph? I didn't get that reference. But moving on. Beep, boop, bop. Nickelback. Oh, uh, You're like, come on, Pablo. Nikolak, Nikolak. That was, that I just yeeted you so hard. That was reaching, man. What, what a dork. That's anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, and then if you are objective security, Nihilak, uh, already you count as two models instead of one. So Necron Warriors 20. Yeah, that's extremely on an objective. good. Yeah, you count as 40 models yeah. on an objective. Just no for one. winning the objective. That's and yeah. that's what ninth edition is. It's all about taking ground, holding objectives. Mm -hmm. Anything that gives you a benefit in that regard is massively, massively uh, uh, valuable for winning the mission, which is all that really matters, yes. right? Uh, and then Seracon, which is my personal favorite, it's probably the one I'm going to use, uh, lets you bring the Silent King completely with command protocols. You have a pure Seracon army. So uh, the Silent King is obviously really good. Uh, Sherikon itself is probably the more durable out of all of them. On a five up, you get to ignore mortal wounds to any Sherikon model. So if there's mortal wound spam kind of prevalent, and if people start bringing Satans, there will be. Uh, uh, they give you get a five save against mortal wounds. Uh, you also get to reroll one wound roll, uh, a la Master Artisans, except it's not a hit roll; it's only a wound roll. So it does kind of benefit MSU style lists if you a lot of, if you run a lot of like destroyers or specific five man Lich Guard or, or whatever. That reroll wound roll can be super useful. Uh, and then th more importantly, their command protocol, Undying Legions, I think is the best thing about them. It lets you, it gives you an extra wound when you living metal, which if you don't know everything in the codex has living metal now that can have it, uh, with the exception of maybe a few models. Um, but for the most part, every model that's relevant, the Satan, the Silent King, all the characters, all the, the Lich Guard, all the multi-wound big tough dudes, they all have living metal. So the ability to get two wounds back off of living metal, especially for something like... Oh, Satan don't get Seracon, but uh, they don't get command protocols either. But um, for something like the Silent King or uh, a character that's already really tough to kill, it's really, really important. Um, and it also helps with your... Um, with your durability and stuff so but more importantly you get that and then you get the second one which is you get to uh add one to your reanimation protocol or you get to reroll ones for your animation one of those but either way it buffs your reanimation protocols and it gives you plus one the living metal um Seracon's massive it gives you the silent king uh and the silent king gets a world trade that lets you use it twice in two turns so you get to do you mean Soundtech? Seracon. 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 yeah Seracon. Uncanny artificers. Okay, you were pronouncing that different than I was. Uh, I don't know. No, how to I'm pronounce sorry. It. Sorry, but uh, chat is crack. I'm, I'm trying so hard not to laugh. But continue, C carry on. Uh, I don't think the Silent King is a dynastic agent. I'm specifically he's he's Seracon, but we'll talk about him later. But yeah, that's the the dynastic codes. The two top ones are probably Mephrit and Novak. Although, if you want to bring the Silent King and build an army around him, he certainly is good enough to build an army around. Uh, so, yeah, I mean the Silent King is baller. Uh, the fact that he has effectively, what is it, 28 wounds or 24? It's 28, I think. He's uh, 16 wounds plus 10. So 26. 26 wounds. Uh, 
the fact that he has effectively 26 wounds and he doesn't degrade at all until you go through the first 10. I mean, he, he does, but not his profile doesn't degrade. It makes him super resilient with a four up and full save. Um, really, really, really good. And then the, 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 the two like pylon things that come with him have extremely powerful no, shooting attacks. Let's just talk about him. We're, we're, we're going to talk. He's easily the talk of the book. Him and the Satan yeah, are the... Yeah, the Void Dragon is baller. Yeah, so let's go ahead and talk about those real quick. So the Silent King, he gets two strength 12, AP4, six damage flats, 36-inch range of shots. BS2. Uh, yeah, it's BS2, and that's with, with his... degrading profile. Yeah. Triarchal Menhirs, yeah. which are his little robot dudes. It's the two kind of like... You know, robot things flanking him. The, yeah. Them, yeah, and he also has two. Uh, he I believe he has two Triarch Praetorian Guard riding on his dais with him, and each of them give buffs as well as uh, extra attacks. So one of them attacks with their scythe, the other attacks with their staff, um, and they give him a combined seven attacks plus his already six attacks that he gets normally. So he gets thirteen attacks um, plus any other bonuses you get from whatever models whatever models you you get and there are a lot of ways to give units plus one attack in the codex so uh, he's insane his combat is good and then he gives reroll wound rolls in combat to uh i think triarch praetorians yeah you could reroll wound rolls for triarch praetorians and you get to reroll hit rolls for necron core units and triarch praetorians in the shooting phase and he also strikes he makes anybody engage with him strike yes. last in combat yes he's a he's a mass justicar uh, anyone yeah. engaged with him you strike last yeah he's, uh, he's extremely good he's expensive but I think, I think you points. definitely get the value for the points. Yeah, for 450 100%. points, he's he's a Mortarian Magnus. Uh, he has a Supreme Commander core keyword, so you can take him in that command attachment and get your stratagem, your but he, CP but back. But he does have to be the Warlord, though. Yeah, well, he, you're, you're going to want to make him the Warlord. His Warlord trait is you can pick, instead of uh, picking one, you can double down on another command protocol. So if your command protocol is really powerful, it's, if it's something that you desperately need, you can double down on it. Uh, so you get two turns of it instead of one, um, which is which is really good. And then he also gets the ability to let you uh, switch a command protocol that you didn't pick. So if you bank two command protocols, uh, so you, you choose four out of the six instead of five out of the six, he has an ability that lets you pick one of the two you didn't pick and um, enact it whenever you want instead of the one you normally would get. I, it's really complicated. Basically... He lets you be. He lets you customize the command protocols and lets you be super flexible with them. Um, he's and on top of being just a beat stick, tough. Yeah, he, he's the total package, right? Like he's exactly what a supreme commander for any faction in the game should be. A lot of people in the chat are saying this is what a primarch should be. I agree. He's not only does he do a lot of damage, not only is he durable, but he's a force multiplier, and he feels like he gives you tactical, strategic options, which is really cool. That's exactly what you would want from one of these. Uh, one of these kind of kind of models. Yeah. So I think he's awesome, and I think you're definitely going to be seeing him on the table. Oh, 100 percent. The uh, let's talk about the Void Dragon too, because oh, that's let's talk about the Void Dragon. One of the coolest models I've ever seen. Plus, it's the new hot, the new hotness, the new Satan, and he's quite good too. Yeah. So so the Void Dragon. So first off, all three Satan have the ability to. Uh, it, you only you can only do a maximum of three wounds to them in a phase, uh, and they do ignore the character, the lookout sir keyword. So even though they have nine wounds and they are characters, you can still shoot them. They don't get the benefits of being a character. They also don't get access to warlord traits or relics, which makes complete sense. They're already really, really powerful. Uh, another thing about the Satan is they, they don't have the command protocol keywords, so you can't use command protocols on them, but they do have living metal. Uh, living metal on a model that you can only do three wounds to in a phase is really really good 
I mean, you actually get some mileage out of it. You you can potentially get a lot of mileage out of them, uh, considering they also have four-up invulns. The Deceiver has the ability to deep strike. Uh, The Nightbringer is just kind of a a really big beat stick. But the Void Dragon, he's the anti-vehicle one. So I don't see people bringing him, auto-including him in a list. However, all of his abilities that do normal like d6 damage uh when you when he's targeting vehicles they get upgraded to d3 plus three damage so when he's damaging vehicles he's doing a minimum of four damage four to six damage to them would you say that he eats vehicles he absolutely eats vehicles into his mouth every time he kills a vehicle he heals a wound up to three wounds in a phase so so that would be pretty lit if that happened yes absolutely (laughs) i I think i think these callbacks aren't working anymore reese uh i'm gonna have to command protocol you into the ground i'm gonna have to command protocol you away from the the internet slang (laughs) get putting putting reese on snapchat was easily the worst decision of this morning (laughs) by a mile all right so uh speaking of the satan shard of the void dragon i don't want to necessarily talk about him as much as all three of the satan because i think they're all viable uh obviously the void dragon i think is probably the best one they're all the same points cost at 350 points but he does the most for his points than the other two because he has the most abilities um he has kind of the most attacks the most damage potential um specifically if your opponent has vehicles then he gets even more absurd um he gets the ability to heal himself and then all satan have the ability to ignore invuln saves with a stratagem for two cp i think um which is which is also really powerful so he can have the ability to ignore invulns as well yeah big time um but the satan are, are great uh you can only bring one per detachment so i think running three satan in a list is probably not going to happen it's gonna be very difficult no you're only gonna take one yeah you can you can take one um i i I guess you could run a monster mash list that'd be fun to do it for like a themed list take the silent king and three satan and that's basically your whole army it'd be fun i don't know if it's gonna be you know a tier one competitive list. it might be the the thing is the satan powers also got buffed too right uh all across the board they do more mortal wounds um, yeah, they can use some of the powers twice. Yeah, you can randomly use a power twice with a stratagem. Uh, they each get to cast two powers as well. Um, so they dish out a lot of mortal wounds on top of being very tough to kill. Uh, they're guaranteed at least three phases, which against certain armies is essentially three turns. And with living metal, you can get a fourth turn out of them if, if your opponent does kill them in one turn. Yeah. Right? So. I mean, it is possible to kill him in one turn if you can hit him in the shooting psychic and then uh, assault phase. Mm-hmm. It's just really unlikely to occur. Yes. So you're, you're I, I really like these rules because then you get, you're guaranteed to get at least a couple turns out of these centerpiece models, right? Like that, that's always like we were talking about last week with Frankie, the big, the big question mark when you're like, should I take more Magnus or Mortarian is always, well, if I go second, they may not even survive to do anything. Yes. So, and the Silent King is going to survive. Yes, Chad. Sure. I am trying very hard not to laugh. There's some really funny stuff in there. There's the ch- Chad is killing us. I- I'm just staring at the camera. Uh, anyways, uh, final unit I want to talk about. Um, this is a personal favorite of mine. I-, I think it's one that no one is really talking about a whole lot. However, it's really, really good considering what its counterpart does for Gene Stealer Cult. And that's the Hexmark Destroyer, which is the crazy model they released with the six pistols he's got like a pistol over his head under his chin and then four arms or something yeah pablo will not stop talking he's, about this guy so so for 75 points you get a t5 five wound model that gets to deep strike and shoot six shots at strength six ap one one damage so not a ton of ap there he also gets the calamorph ability so uh whenever he kills a model he gets to shoot a pistol an additional time um, and then those can't trigger more attacks, so he can't shoot infinitely. So he can potentially shoot up to 12 times. But more importantly, this is why I love him, there's a stratagem because he has a 
void or a, a hunter, um, a hyperspace hunter. Um, yeah, just like the death marks. Yeah, so for one CP, he can come in after a unit comes in from reinforcements on your opponent's turn and then shoot at them at the end of the movement phase. So if your opponent brings in Seraphim, um, I, I did the math on Eradicators. You can kill a few Eradicators with a Relic in the Necron Codex if you get lucky. So he can come down and shoot Eradicators, Seraphim, Scouts, I don't know, whatever have you. Swooping Hawks. Yeah, Swooping whatever. Hawks. And he can kill the whole unit before they even do anything. Yes. And, like, he can kill a unit. He'll be really good at that. I agree with you 100%. Um, and it'll it'll scare your opponent. Just letting them know that you have that. Yes. They may choose not to deep strike at all. Yeah, they're 18-inch right? range pistols. Yeah. Uh, so what I've been personally trying to run with them is there's a relic that gives you, that lets you uh, roll a die for every model in a unit. On a six, you do a mortal wound to that unit. So you can shoot that because it's a pistol as well. So when he drops down, you shoot that and the six pistols at the unit you're shooting at. And then hopefully you do damage. And then he's also a T5 five wound model, right? So with living metal. With living metal. So uh, Seraphim aren't going to be able to kill that easily, um, even with even with their melt pistols. They not they might not roll as well. They're wounding them on threes, not twos. Uh, they might not do they not roll five or six in their damage roll. Um, he might just kill them flat out on top of that. So uh, I really like him. I think he's I think he's pretty cool. And he's for 75 points. Um, he is a little worse than the Kellermorph. The Kellermorph has two damage pistols. Well, the Kellermorph is underpriced big yes. time. Yeah, However, Gene Sealer Colt need anything they can get right now. Actually, so. the Kellermorph is 10 points more than this guy. No, so. I, I, I think the Kellermorph is under underpriced, period. Oh, yeah. Not not compared, not less than him, just he's way too cheap for what you get. Yes. Frankie runs, what, five? For, he runs, he runs no, three. He runs three for a reason. Yeah. They're, they're really powerful. Uh, other than that, there's not much else I want to add to the book. The secondary objectives, I found this out. You can only take one Space Marine or Necron secondary objective for your missions. So you can't take all of them, um, which is good because the Necrons have some really good ones. Uh, and I, overall, I really like the book. I think the three ways you build Necrons right now are shooting, uh, melee and shooting MSU kind of deal. Or, and then finally, an army built around the Silent King um, with some Satan sprinkled into all of those lists. Yeah, that was a really good recap, and uh, I like the book too. Um, I was taking a look at my Junktacrons. The way I played them in the past, I played uh, lots of big units of uh, Immortals and Warriors. Sadly now, Immortals with Tesla Carbines are not as appealing as they were, and that's the way mine are modeled. I was like, ah, because they now only, uh, they only proc on a, I can't believe I just used that stupid word as the dumbest word I've ever, you guys are getting into my head now. I got to yeet that word out of my head. Ah, that was actually a good way to use Yeah, that was good. Uh, the ability triggers used to trigger on a 6+, plus. now it's only on a 6. So using my will be done to have it uh, trigger on a 5 or a 6, which dramatically increased the damage output. It's It just doesn't work as well anymore. And uh, the gauze blasters or the gauze carbines, I can't remember. Um, that weapon now has 30-inch range and it's strength 5 AP2, and then you can get it up to AP3. Clearly the better choice. I don't want to remodel my guys. Ugh. <laughs> but um, the big units of, uh, of warriors now, I think, are really pretty appealing. My biggest disappointment was the Ghost Arc is not nearly as good, in my opinion, as it used to be. Although in chat, let me know if you think that that is, um, if, if I'm wrong in that. Because I used to run two big units of 20 with a Cryptek, uh, Trezan, Ghost Arc, and that unit would just go up the gut. And, you know, being fearless, having all the, the buffs, reanimation protocols, 5-up pinball save, all that good stuff. They're really resilient and reliable. I think in some ways, a lot of ways, the Warriors are better than they were, especially if you invest the points into force multiplying them. But things like the Ghost Arc now, it just makes D3 come back. And correct me if I'm wrong, 
um, you can't you can't shoot out of it uh, out of the ghost arc. So it's kind of like eh, it's, it just doesn't really seem worth it to me anymore. Um, although I'm sure there's different ways to run the warriors uh, to make them more appealing. So I was pretty interested in that. The Doomstalker jumped out at me. It's a unit I really like. It has a super powerful gun. It has the same gun as the Doomsday Arc. And then it also it makes reanimation protocols better. So I was really liking the Doomstalker. And I, th I just love the model. I think it's such a cool model. And um, uh, beyond that, uh, the new Cryptex, it's a throwback to a fifth edition with uh, all the different flavors of them, the, the, the cool guns. Like we were talking about the Chronomancer and the Psychomancer, they're, they're really good. The Plasma Lancer kind of left me feeling flat. I didn't really think he added a whole lot. Um, he does damage basically. And yeah. you can get that in other sources. Also, so. I'm gonna shout out Brian Poulin from Tabletop Titans real quick, who said that all of the Cryptek relics were bad, were not very great. I believe those are his exact words. Uh, I think you are wrong. Brian, some little bit of a podcast YouTube video feud there. Um, I think yeah, the ability... It's, like, it's going to be a one-way feud. He's Canadian. He's gonna, just going to apologize <laughs> and, and move along. Brian Pullen's from Northern California. He's Canadian. Oh, is he Canadian? Can you tell he, by that in, stylish he is, sweater He is vest? really nice. I should have known that. The, the polite so he's, he's a Canadian and... transplant living in California. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, he works for Google. That's why oh, he lives there. Oh, fair enough. Well, yeah. either, and either way... Um, I, I think that the Cryptex, I think there's some serious combos you can throw in there with those relics. Uh, some of them are, are particularly good. I think the Cryptex are great, and the models are brilliant. I absolutely love them. Yeah. And I think there's definitely some cool synergies in there. Like, if you dig in, you can do some combos with them. Things like uh, Trazen or uh, just Lords, Overlords, all the different... They have so many HQs now that you can like kind of like pick and choose what you want to do with them to customize your Warriors to make them really effective. Um, you can use the Veil of Darkness, you can use the Night Scythe, throw some units up in your opponent's face, hit them with the uh, high AP assault weapons. There's a lot of fun stuff that you can do there. I think there's a lot of combos and a lot of um, a depth to the Necron Codex because they got more units and then more importantly, they got a lot of uh, Force Multiplier HQ elite units. That's where the that's where you make the stew, in my opinion, yeah. in any of these armies. And uh, Ray, Ray wants to point out one final thing that Necrons have, uh, which is the ability to stop a stratagem. Uh, that's Nemesaur yeah. Zandrek. Super good. Ne I don't know if Nemesaur Zandrek is is, a, is the best. Um, he, he's certainly not bad. But uh, maybe taking him for just the ability to stop one of your opponents once per game, stop one of your opponent's stratagems, um, is pretty solid. Uh, I don't know if it justifies taking him specifically, but I think it's worth looking at. And it's cool that there's so many good options, right? Because in the past, Necrons, like, forever, have been pretty one-dimensional. They've always had one or two really good builds. And that was largely just because they didn't have a lot of units. So now there's a lot more going on. It's really exciting. Um, we, we've kind of spent a lot of time on it already, but I didn't want to throw out the monolith looks really good too. Um, the new weapon option on it makes it a really, really good tank killer, super resilient. Yep. So I, I think there's a lot to be excited about. If you're a Necron player, if you're Necron curious, definitely a good time to jump in. And then this is a good segue into talking about the Space Marines is the cool thing about this is that it's the beginning of the edition. Um, you got lucky. You can build a list now, and you don't have to worry about it changing. You, know, you, you, can, you can build an army now with confidence that you're going to be able to ride the whole edition without changing too much, probably, right? So that, that always gives me a lot of confidence, right? Because it's annoying when you paint up a unit, and then like an FAQ comes out, and then it, it doesn't work the way you wanted it to anymore. So it's like... You can build a Necron Codex, you can invest in it, and you can invest the time and energy into painting it up nicely, and you get it for the whole edition. It's great. 
Yes. It's always good to get your codex early, in my opinion. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, not to be a Debbie Downer, but... Uh... Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that by increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups... It would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion. Invent Together is a coalition of organizations, companies, universities, and concerned citizens committed to ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to invent and patent. Because the more diverse the American patent system gets, the stronger and more successful our nation will become. What can you do to help diverse inventors patent and unleash economic opportunity? Find out at inventtogether.org. Learn more and take action today. I, I'm really more curious about GW's release schedule for codexes than, than the 9th edition treatment. So far, it looks like the 9th edition treatment is going to be good for every army that receives it, um, which is awesome. But uh, if, you know, if they only release a few codexes every quarter... Um, it, oh, they're going to be coming out rapid fire. we got two in one week. We, I, we, do, I, we do have two in one week. That's, assume, that's true. Assume they're going to come out at the same pace they did last edition because they have to to get through all of them. Well, they're already not coming out at the same pace, right? Because well, last I mean, edition was like two a month. That's that's fair. With, with COVID, it changed things. But I, I would make the assumption that that's going to be the case. Right on. Right? And that's probably why we're getting two in one weekend to catch up because that's crazy. Um, so good segue into Space Marines. A ton of people in the chat have been talking about uh inner circle with deathwing we'll definitely talk about that that's kind of like that's like the hot topic right now and um uh i wanted to talk about that because i'm thinking about playing deathwing for my ninth edition army and i'll explain why um and then i don't they're not nearly as crazy in my opinion time will tell but I don't, they're not nearly as crazy as people think they are right now and I'll, I'll talk about why i think that i think they're just gonna be good um and the other cool thing about space marines they always they usually come out early same thing the book has tremendous depth. There's so many ways to play them. So many kits. It's a modeler's paradise. Go crazy. And the cool thing is it came out early. You can build your army with confidence, play it the whole edition, which is great, right? So we're not going to go deep dive into Space Wing Codex. It would take a five-hour show to do that. And then you, you still wouldn't cover everything. There's so much in here. It's, it's awesome. They're the poster boys of the game. Almost everybody has a Space Wing army. So many people play them. It's great that they're good. You want them to be good. Uh, as annoyed as some people get with it, and they bitch and moan about Space Marines getting a lot of attention, these are what carry the entire company. So it is what it is. Um, Space Marines outsell everything by a mile. They outsell entire other game lines, just Space Marines. So it is what it is. Accept it. It's great that they're good. They should be good because it gets people into the game. That's usually people's first army, and then if they're good, that's great. So yeah. that's all I'll uh, say on that. So, you have so a point? yeah, Go yeah. So, so in general, the Space Marine Codex. So my first original thoughts were were it looked like Space Marines lost as much as they got. Um, it, it felt like more of like a lateral step than a buff, straight buff or a straight nerf to the faction, um, which I, I think maybe the community didn't want. But then I looked at the FAQs, and so we have to talk about the FAQs as well, too. So the 2020 October FAQ update, where they updated all the factions with Melta weapons and all the, the factions to kind of bring them in line with the Space Marine Codex. Um, in general, they were pretty good. Uh, 
there, there wasn't anything too generous except the Dark Angels Fallen Circle rule. Well, so, everybody's focused on that, and I think you're missing the forest for the trees. It's not as crazy as people think. So first of all, it's only for infantry that have inner circle. So it's not Ravenwing. It's not anybody on a bike. And a lot of people thought that, and that's false. It's only for Terminators and foot characters that have inner circle, right? And they don't do some of the things that other Terminators do. Yes. So it's, it's, it's not as crazy as it at first appears. It's very good. And the upside is you can play Terminators and they're actually good. That's nothing to complain about. We've been asking for that for... Terminators really haven't been good since 4th edition. Deathwing Terminators in particular. Outside of... Yeah, exactly. And outside of like really annoying stupid stuff like Death Stars and such in 8th uh, in, uh, um, edition... Which no, I, I, I don't think very many people actually miss that. Now you can take a unit of Terminators, play them. They're good. They feel like they are in the lore, and they're 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 going to be fun and effective. However, they have a really big. There, there's a couple things that they don't do that regular Terminators do, um, but there's a couple things that they do. So I mean, we might as well jump in and talk about it because that's it's what good. everybody in the chat is going on about. So what are we talking about? First of all, uh, as Pablo mentioned, the Space Marine Codex covers all power armor troops except Grey Knights. Um, it's everyone is in the Space Marine book essentially, and what they're going to be doing is coming out with uh, uh, Codex supplements similar to what you got with Iron Hands, Raven Guard, etc. Last edition. So you're going to be getting that for your Blood Angels, your Dark Angels, uh, uh, Death Watch, etc. etc. So to bridge the gap until those come out, uh, GW put out an FAQ that basically gives you like a, a, a watered down version of your Codex supplement so that you have some cool units and rules now. Um, most of them are pretty straightforward. The Blood Angels one, you know, Space Wolves. I know a lot of my friends that are dedicated to Blood Angels Space Wolf players feel a little flat about it, but they understand they're getting a book. So they're, they're cool for now. And um, uh, Brother Captain Morgan, who's a diehard Blood Angels fan, he's gonna be putting up a, a video on Frontline Gaming talking about uh, the Blood Angels FAQ, so we won't go into that too much. Um, the one that everyone's talking about right now though is Deathwing and why the inner circle rule, which is the, the first company, it's the Death Watch, or I'm sorry, the Deathwing and the Ravenwing. Um, they're the inner circle of the Dark Angels. They have a rule that basically gives them um, transhuman physiology all the time if you're infantry and you have inner circle, right? What does that apply to? All the characters on foot and the Terminators. It, obviously, it's really good for those of you who are like, what is transhuman physiology? It means you only get wounded on a four plus, right? So it's a big deal. It's huge. It makes it much, much, much more durable. I believe they also got an extra wound on top of that. No, uh, no, not really. I mean, the Terminators are three wounds. Oh, okay. They already got the extra yeah. wound. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So in a nutshell, what, what it is, what everybody's talking about is now you have Terminators that have three wounds. Um, Dark Angels Terminators largely, or just Dark Angels in general, they really mitigate morale also, which is a minor buff, but it's nice. And then they can only be wounded on a four plus, which is huge, right? Because the things you're usually shooting at Terminators, especially now that they have three wounds, are going to be like melted guns, plasma guns. Now plasma guns can't even kill them in one shot. Um, you know, things of that nature. The high strength, high AP weapons, which are going to be much, much, much less effective. Anybody that's played against Space Marines with transhuman physiology knows how un it's so annoying. Like when you play your knight and you're like battle cannon into that unit, they're like transhuman physiology. You're like, gosh, dang it. It cuts your wound, your, uh, wound output. Not in half, but but by a third, basically. A little bit more than that. So it makes them super duper durable. On top of that, there are multiple ways to give Death Watch Terminators a five up, feel no pain. And now with the Space Marine Codex, 
you can take a um, chief what is it the chief apothecary or something like that yes the head the head yeah, honcho the chief apothecary. apothecary yeah you got it so he can bring a terminator back for free every turn and he can heal two units right d3 wounds so you have all these layers of durability that make them like playing death guard essentially right if not better so the cool thing about it is that you can take an army of terminator it's a low model count army it's easy to paint or you can go to town making them look awesome um they're going to be relatively effective with the changes to like bolter drill and such where they get four shots at max range um, death watch terminators you can mix them up so that they can have some melee some shooting in the same unit they can deep strike they're really durable you can bring them back to life the army's going to play quick. You're either going to lose really fast or you're going to win really fast. You're going to finish all your games in Second Night Army. I think it's great. And I'm, because I've been on the fence about what I want to play in Ninth Edition, I actually think that I might play this army because of all the reasons I just said. Durable, easy to play, super straightforward. Your game's going to be super fast. Even if, even if you lose, you're going to lose really quickly, right? Because you're just going to get blown away. It sounds great. And then you can paint them up really quickly or you can take your time and paint them up nicely and they'll be good for the whole edition. To yes. me, to me, that's a win. If, if we can get effective Terminator armies on the table, that's nothing but a good thing. That's super cool. All right, let, let's let's talk about the rest of the Codex now. There's there's a lot more than just Death Deathwing Terminators going on here in this Codex. Uh, first and foremost, some units did get nerfed. Uh, aggressors got nerfed. They lost their ability to shoot twice. Um, Crickets, crickets, crickets. I think that's. I think you that's interrupted about it. me for that. Well yes. done, dude. That's some professionalism right there. Um, yeah, aggressors did get nerfed. They don't double shoot anymore, which it was absurd before. The other big one is that Centurions no longer are. are they didn't get the core unit stratagem so, or uh, keywords so that yep. they can't do a lot of the stuff that they used to do. They're not nearly as ridiculously overpowering as they used to be. They're still good. But in internet parlance, they're going to be trash now, which is not accurate. No, they're, they're still solid. Um, th with the points increases in 9th edition, I definitely don't think they're must-take auto-include units. Um, but in niche lists, they're still probably going to be okay. Uh, also, uh, the Primaris tanks also lost the fly keyword, and they lost their Gravitic backwash well, the, And ability. the fly keyword doesn't do what it used to do anyway, that's which, true. which is nothing but a good thing. I think that's one of the better changes that they made mm -hmm. in this edition of the game, because fly was way too powerful, right? Yes. Character got toned down. Fly got toned down. Those are good for the game, in my opinion. Um, but the, the, the new tanks, I think, are really good. Mm -hmm. um, I love the way they look. I love the unified aesthetic of all the, the hover vehicles. And they're they're quite good. You can you can confidently build a mechanized space marine army and have them be super effective. Yeah, right? the, the the thunderfire cannon as well um, got extra extra nerfs on top of that. The aggressors um, and the thunderfire cannon got over nerfed, I think, but they're well, still effective. They're just not nearly as good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the impulsors, I, although I felt like the impulsors never got their time to shine, because uh, by the time impulsors came out, the kit came out, they sold out immediately, so we never saw real impulsor span, and then. COVID happened, so there weren't a lot of tournaments. So Impulsors, um, although they did have some strong performances when you could bring them, uh, they they were kind of like this weird model where we never got to see their true potential before they got nerfed, which I think is maybe not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but yeah, Impulsors got nerfed as well. Um, I think that I think that's all that that I noticed. Uh, did you notice anything else that? Changed? No, I mean that's a pretty good summation of the things got toned down, which I think they're all good things. I think that it, it, it gives. Parity between units, of course, there's going to be things that rise up that seem exceptionally good. Um, that, you know, it's inevitable. 
But the game designers made a solid effort at trying to level the playing field. And now you have things like Vanguard Veterans, which we've talked about at length, that are really, really good with the Storm Shield and the Chainsword. They're one of the better assault units in the game for the points of a two-up or a two-up armor, four-up invul, two wounds. And now the, the Chainswords are AP1 and the assault phase go up to AP2. They're really, really good. Uh, Devastator Marines, all the mini Marines got significantly uh, buffed. They're much, much, much stronger. You're going to be seeing a lot of them. Another huge, yeah, a, a huge nerf. Uh, scouts are elites now. They're not oh, troops. Oh, yeah, that's... And that was the go-to troop choice for a lot of people. Now you're going to be taking probably tactical Marines for the cheap troop. In some ways, I think they're going to be better. They have a better save. They have two wounds. Yeah. Um, but they don't have infiltrate, which was incredibly good. Yeah, yeah. So th that's going to be a big change. Um, but then, of course, now you have things like heavy uh, intercessors, uh, just veteran intercessors, normal intercessors, assault. Infiltrators. Assault infiltrators. Infiltrators. You're, you're spoiled for choice in the troops department. They're all good. Yeah. So there, there's just so many options. We, there's no way we can cover them all. But some of the things that I really like, obviously, the Deathwing, I think, is super cool. Uh, you're going to see a lot of that, which I think is nothing but a good thing. Talking to the other playtesters, none of them felt that it's uh, even remotely close to OP. Because one of the big things that they don't get, that normal Terminators do get, they don't have teleport homers, which means they can't mid-game teleport across the table. I think you can do it with a stratagem. I, uh, I, you I might, say, you might be able to do, can do that. I don't remember the stratagem off the top of my head. I don't mm -hmm. remember seeing it, but it, it's, I, I could totally be forgetting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're not as mobile. So basically, you're going to come down on the table, you're really durable, and you're going to be walking around. Right, and they're not unkillable. They're just they're very durable. So Terminator Army sounds great. Can't wait. Uh, yeah. The Raven Wing are going to be really good. They have a lot of options. That's going to be super fun. And then of course you have the fun Strat uh, Raven Wing Death Wing, where you can come in within six inches of an enemy unit as long as you're next to a Raven Wing unit that didn't turbo boost. So super easy. Move a unit up, drop them down within six inches. There's all kinds of ways you can get plus two to your charge, reroll the charge. So basically you can take a big unit of like Death Wing Knights or um, uh, assault terminators, and you're almost guaranteed to get into combat. Most people aren't gonna waste their time overwatching against a unit that durable, why would you? And crazy, lightning claw terminators are stupid cheap now. Yep. Super cheap, and with the bonus attack and then the bonus attack from charging, plus all the, all the crazy stuff you can get with chaplains and all this stuff, that's a unit that can just go in for very little points investment and blender someone's screens. And screening an 8th edition is hard to do, period. Yep, I agree. So uh, that's fun. One of the other uh, really fun uh, changes, I'm sorry to, no, to cut you off. Uh, one of the other fun changes, uh, we were kind of talked about it earlier. What, what I, one of my favorite things is that uh, you can upgrade your characters for points to make them like a chapter master or a chief librarian or a chief uh, the top dog chaplain, the, the sanctimonious big dog grand pooba. I can't remember what the heck his name is. I, I think Master of Sanctities, I think is what he's Something called. Something like that. Yeah. And they're all good, and they're all super fun. I want, I would love to see them do this for other factions, right? Like, it's so much fun to be able to go, okay, my chaplain is now going to be a Master of Sanctity, which not only gives him uh, new keywords, new abilities, like you can have two litanies, but then it gives you a whole host of options, like a Warlord trait. They're, most of them are extremely good. Uh, you can get an extra relic, super fun stuff. And uh, uh, sometimes it lets you modify uh, stratagems, like the Apothecary can do the revive someone stratagem for free, which again, in a Deathwing army or any high value model army is gonna be incredibly useful. Mm -hmm. So super duper fun, like the Master of Sanctity, I think you're gonna see him all the time. Um, he's gonna be able to, if you want, uh, have two litanies going that go off on a, a two plus, 
And he can use the stratagem to auto get a litany off for one CP as opposed to two. So it's like if you really need to increase your charge or get plus one to wound or whatever, he's going to get it off. And unlike a librarian, you can't stop it. Yes. So super good. A lot of people are bemoaning the chapter master. Yes, he did get toned down. He was re- stupid. It was re- dumb before, right? When you have a chapter master, just sit there and give everyone four rerolls. That wasn't, I don't think, fun um, in my opinion. So now he has a reroll aura of ones. And you can choose a unit to get four rerolls. Including himself. Including himself. Um, but the, the the really cool part, you can give him plus one save, plus one wound. Uh, and then, oh man, what was the other cool ability that he had? I think that the chapter master is still super viable. Yeah, I think it's 40 points more to upgrade a captain to a chapter master. So it is it is more on the expensive side. Uh, but Thunderhammer's got cheaper. So generally that smash captain, smash chapter master that you had pre- in previous editions, uh, he's generally going to stay around the same points cost. Um, but yeah, right. he gets the plus one attack. And then... So the, then he gets... Um... If you give him the relic, he gets plus one wound, toughness, and a two-up save. Yeah. That's that's super duper good, especially if you do it with a Terminator uh, uh, captain. Again, if you're Deathwing, you can make him extremely durable. Put him on a bike, uh, jump pack, makes him much, much more durable. And then uh, in the command phase, if you take the, the Warlord trait, might not be worth it, but it's fun. On a four-up, you get a CP back. So I think there's still room for the chapter master. He just won't be ubiquitous like he was, which is good. You want it to be a choice. You don't want it to be a no-brainer, oh, chapter master plus whatever else, right? Now it's an actual choice. Yep. The librarian's cool. And then um, the other one, the chapter champion, is really fun, too. Oh, yeah. Reroll charge aura, that alone makes him worthwhile. Pretty good. He's yeah. cheap, too. Relatively, Super cheap. Relatively cheap for what you get. Um, I want to talk about some quick buffs that I like and don't like, starting with ones that I like. like that they buffed the hunter and the stalker. They weren't afraid to just go to town. I think the hunter does, I, I want to say, like an absurd amount of damage to flyers now for having just one shot. Um, which is great. It's such a niche tank. Uh, Dreadnought's got a huge buff as well. There you got the yeah. core keyword, so they get a benefit from a lot of the auras and buffs that the codex represents. On top of that, they get minus one to wound or minus one damage. One minus one excuse damage. Me, which is shields, yeah. so so good. Yeah. On top of that, they still remained relatively cheap. They they got points decreases multiple times across the eighth edition and. Um, that made it so that when they got their points increase, they didn't actually get very much of an increase. They, they stayed relatively cheap. Um, dreadnoughts across the board are really strong right now. And uh, I'm interested to see what happens with things like Librarian Dreadnoughts from Blood Angels and stuff as well, too. Yeah, Dreadnoughts are going to be uh, a lot more... They're gonna be, they won't be, you know, Chaplain Dreadnought from last edition, but that was because it was ridiculous. Um, I think that they've done a really good job, and I'm glad you brought it up. I was going to mention the Dreadnoughts, too, because that's one of my favorite changes. The Dreadnought, I love Dreadnoughts, and if you can, again, like Terminators, if you can make a Dreadnought army or, or army featuring lots of Dreadnoughts viable, that's only a good thing for the game. Yes. Like, everyone likes giant robots. Yeah. I think they did a really good job of pricing them at an, a, an aggressive price point and giving them just a little bit extra to make them durable enough that they're not just going to get, well, they still might get one shot, but you, you, it's less of a risk, right? Like, if you put it... Like, for example, the Redemptor Dreadnought, it's like 180 points. It's very reasonably priced. And it has a ton of wounds, minus one damage, really good damage output. Yeah, heck yeah, I'm going to consider taking that. Or a Venerable Dreadnought, or an Ironclad. An Ironclad Dreadnought's looking really good. It's only like 140 points. It's cheap. Yeah, T- yeah T8 with a minus one damage. You could totally make it work, especially in like an Iron Hands list or something like that. Yeah. Uh, vehicles did lose bolter drill, so the hurricane yep. bolter on yep. the ironclad dreadnought isn't as good. Um, yep. But if, if we're being honest, the people weren't taking that ironclad to begin with, um, and storm yep. bolters were cool, but not necessarily their damage output. 
So. Yeah, that's a bit of a nerf, but um, again, there's there's more parity. I think more parity. Yep. I don't think they went too far with toning down things like repulsors and stuff like that because no. a repulsor with a chapter master was obnoxious. You know, like the impulsor, all that stuff, right? Toning that down makes them still good, but not overwhelming. Yeah. Like uh, they were. But you can still do it with a Redemptor Dreadnought, baby. Yep, that's pretty solid. And then finally, some buffs I didn't necessarily like that I was kind of confused by. Uh, the Eradicators and Bladeguard Veterans going up to squads of six maximum um, felt very strange, uh, specifically because Eliminators and other Aggressors... Well, Aggressors could always already go up to six, but uh, Eliminators didn't get the, the up to six benefit. Um, I think there's a couple other units in the Space Marine Codex as well that were three wound or like suppressors and things. So I, I didn't necessarily like that. Uh, Bladeguard Veterans and Eradicators are the two of the clearly best units in the Codex now and also before the Codex as well in 9th edition to begin with. Um, and so they got straight buffs. Uh, it felt a little weird. Um, they were they were good at three models, three caps. You could only bring nine models maximum in an army. Um, so that felt right uh, because they were so points efficient. But uh, now you can run you can run 15, 18 Blade Guard veterans running up the middle of the board um, for you know not very many points, but almost the cost of a Silent King. Yeah, I mean Space Marines are spoiled for choice. We could go on and on and on. We promise not to do a deep dive, so we're not going to. Um, in the comments section, if you guys and gals want to drop in some uh, ideas of what you think is good, things you're excited to play, uh, combos that you noticed. Go ahead and do that, and we'll do our best to answer as many of them as we can. But suffice it to say, Space Marines are spoiled for choice in every four-sword slot. You can build your army a, mi a million different ways. They're going to be really good. But as we're seeing in tournaments right now, they're good. They're not dominating. They're not overwhelmingly good. They're just really good. And I, I'm pretty sure I want to do the Deathwing um, because I've been having a lot of trouble figuring out what I want to play in ninth. And one of my main issues is that all my armies that I have are painted, I'm not going to say they're like beautifully painted, but they're really, the way they're painted is very time consuming. So I was looking at my tier nids and I was like, oh, I want to play nids. I don't want to paint all the models that I need to paint because it takes forever. I was like, I'll play my, I'll bust out my foot tar. And I was like, oh, I don't want to paint 10 more units. Each one of those is like double line highlighted. And then I was like 35 model Deathwing and I could speed paint them. I'm like, yeah, now we're talking. That sounds appealing to me. And there's all kinds of fun stuff you can do with it. So uh, don't bemoan somebody if they want to take the easy route. It's like playing Green Knights in 5th edition. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just now, probably not as good. Speaking of painting models, Reese, now I didn't want to tell you this, so I didn't want to see your head get bigger, but this Etten model you painted that we put up in the show notes actually looks really good. Thank you very much. Yeah, like like I've been saying on the show, um, I've been painting a lot of D&D &D models. I kind of took a break. Uh, we had a guest at our home for a while, and I wasn't painting, but... I've got back to it and I painted this super cool Etten model, um, which if you're watching, you'll be able to see it. And uh, it's from Atlantis Miniatures. They're a, a, a small company in the UK. They make amazing fantasy models. I've got a bunch of them for D&D. And uh, this Etten's really, really cool. So I had a lot of fun painting it. And uh, we're actually partnered up with them on a really exciting promotion that we'll be telling you all about, um, I think probably in the next month. So oh, Frankie, Frankie's been working on it all year really cool it's really exciting but um i wanted to show this off uh just because i actually painted something and i'm proud of myself <laughs> one one criticism here though the nipples could have been a little pinker <laughs> mariana said the exact same thing she's like you're gonna paint great, the nipples pink and i was great like minds think alike mariana i was like why would i do that <laughs> oh. that would not be lit lit 
I mean, or brown, anything. They're flesh colored. Why do you it's weird. focus on the nipples and not his big muscles? Uh, I mean, you know, it's just what I do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I picked up a ton of, like during lockdown, I picked up like a ton of uh, fantasy models I've been meaning to get from all across. Because uh, as you know, I spend a lot of time just like looking at all the different models in out there by all these different manufacturers. And I've always had my eye on a ton of different fantasy models to use for like D&D or whatever. And then I, I, during lockdown, I was like, hey, I'm actually forced to sit down and paint. So I got a lot and I've painted, I don't know, I painted like 20 of them, which is more models than I've painted in a long time. So hopefully you'll be seeing more of those coming. Uh, my mediocre paint jobs will be putting on display. <laughs> All right, so we had a major in Germany, the Hanseatic Alliance Open. I hope I said that correctly. It was a joint venture between some Dutch and uh, German TOs. They put on a ton of events. They're really active, good, good guys and gals on their squad. Uh, it was over 100 players. They were super duper COVID safe. They, and they went to great lengths to show that they were being safe. Um, but awesome. It was over 100 people. I think that's one of the only ones we've had post-COVID. Yeah, the last one was the Iron Halo, which was won by White Scars. Yep. And uh, really, really cool to see the results of the event. So if it wasn't for the stupid plague year... This would have been one of the years where we really, really, really saw the international community fully cooperating, working together, playing the same game. Super exciting. It still happened. It's just been reduced, obviously. Uh, Kadian Ranger is in the chat. He was one of the head TOs of this event. So uh, looking at the uh, results of the event, uh, of course, if you want to see a full tournament report, we have it over at FrontlineGaming.org. It was really cool. And this is reflecting what we've been seeing a lot in Ninth edition and what little competitive action we've been able to see. Harlequins took first and second. Admech took third and fourth. We've been seeing Admech doing really well, but we especially have been seeing Harlequins crushing it in ninth edition. Harlequins are so good. They are so good in this edition because they're really good at winning the missions. Super duper mobile. And uh, we're seeing that, like, whereas in eighth edition, they struggled a little bit. In ninth edition, they're really shining. And the Tabletop Titans guys did a, a little mini tournament. Harlequin, Harlequins won there too. And Brian on it said that he thought Harlequins were the army to beat in ninth edition. We're starting to see that. Um, played out in reality, right? Now, everyone, of course, is talking about Space Marines. They're the most commonly played army. They're the most commonly played army at this event. And they did get, I think, fifth place was the top Space Marine player. Um, and they're, they're, they're misrepresented in... Um, they're overrepresented in the numbers of attendance. So, of course, you're going to be seeing Space Marines doing well. They're really good. Mm -hmm. Some of the best players are playing them. And there's just a lot of them. Yep. So... When you look at the, the reduced representation that an army like Harlequins has, where they're not common, and to see them doing so well consistently across events, I think that there's a strong argument to be made that they might be the best army in the game right now, right? They're really, really good. And especially with things like Space Marines, with Aggressors and Centurions, which are one of the number one things that would wreck them being reduced in efficacy, they're going to have an even better, an even bigger advantage. They're already really, really good at killing Space Marines. Now they're going to be even better at it, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Uh, Harlequins already looked really strong. They looked like one of the big ninth edition winners coming out of the gate with the chapter uh, Minotaurum field manual with the points in it and the points changes. Uh, Harlequins didn't get a lot of points increases. Um, and like you said, not a lot of people are playing them. There's not a lot of eyeballs on them. So uh, you do get more of an advantage of a surprise factor against something like Space Marine List where everyone kind of knows what Space Marines do now. Everyone knows what the best units are, so you know what to build your list to beat and counter. Um, 
another thing to note about this uh, tournament, and I'm not taking anything away from the results, but it, I'm assuming that the codexes weren't allowed. Well, they weren't because the, they're up for pre-order. So this was this was pre-codex Necron and Codex Space Marines. Um, I don't know how much of a change the Necron Codex and the Space Marine Codex is going to be um, in the meta moving forward. Previously, in other editions, uh, uh, the faction that got its codex would be a lot stronger than all of the other factions. However, all of the factions are working with their 8th edition codex, which admittedly isn't bad. The 8th edition codexes did add a lot to the factions, and then on top of that with the Psychic Awakening books that they received as well, too. Or in case of the Harlequins, I think they got their White Dwarf. Um, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how the Space Marine and Necron codex uh, kind of fit into the overall meta. Uh, and see if there's like real power creep or if you know harlequins can still hang with codex space brains yeah and of course it was pre-codex the codex hasn't even come out yeah, yet exactly. so um yeah it's gonna be interesting to see i i in a in a power armor meta harlequins are going to shine right because in eighth edition we had much more horde style armies and harlequins can struggle with that because they just don't have that many bodies even though a single harlequin trooper can kill multiple uh, you know, guard equivalent models, they just run out of gas because they're not that durable. But in a in a in a environment where there's lots of MSU power armor units, Har Harlequin that's a smorgasbord for Harlequins. Oh, yeah. And then on top of it, like we already said, they're so mobile they can move in like every phase of the game. That makes them really really good at winning the mission. So I think we might be seeing more of them as we go. I hope so. Oh yeah, absolutely. The clowns are cool. And if you want to head on over to 40kstats.com, the Falcon is doing a great job of gathering what data there is to gather and just go look at the top four list that's one of my favorite things to look at on the site and you can just see just go do a scan of who's winning events yes there's a lot of space marines there but again that's just because a lot of people are playing them there's actually a lot of variety we're seeing orcs going one and two at events Drakari up there um uh, admic uh, eldar it, it's pretty good there's a couple armies that could use a boost for sure but there's still a lot of variety which i think is great yeah absolutely all right, let's talk about the ITC. What little there is to talk about when there's not a lot of events. But if you like the ITC, you want to support it, you want to see it to continue to grow and thrive, consider, consider supporting it uh, via the Patreon. You can do so for as little as $1 a month. All of the money goes back into things like paying for servers, uh, paying for trophies, and uh, paying people for their time. It's very expensive to run the ITC, even in COVID, because our, our costs actually don't really go down that much. <laughs> Uh, let's take a look at the rankings, the current top five competitive track for 40K. Dan Simmons in first place, followed by Ken Knox in second. Vic VJ is down in third now. Johan Nikolaisen is in fourth. I hope I said that right. And Nicholas Weiss in fifth. And I think we're seeing some of the European players jumping up there, which is awesome. Right on. Current hobby track top five 40K. James Weston is in first. Naaman Allen is in second. John Smith drops down into third. Colton Hatch in fourth. And Sean Nasto in fifth. That is a great last name. Is that big nasty Nasto in the chat? Oh, you know what? There was a nasty Nasto in the chat. That would be really funny if that was. Uh, current Age of Sigmar competitive track top five. We have Matt Beasley continues to lead the pack. Followed by William Sohaley. Jared Zizueta in third, Kurt Roper in fourth, and Matthew Jones in fifth. I don't think there's a lot of Age of Sigmar events going on right no. now. I am not seeing them. Yeah, no. Uh, Most in, people are maxing anywhere. their scores, and it's almost the end of the year. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, even without COVID, right? Like, I just, I'm not seeing a lot of Age of Sigmar events, and they were blowing up last year. 
So maybe uh, the, the Age of Sigmar community is really taking a break. But I think they all collectively looked at the Lumineth Realm Lords Light of Altharion fluff with Teclas crying and just, just kind of gave up for a couple months. <sighs> it was an appropriate story for 2020. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's fair. If There's it, plenty of tears. It fits well. Uh, the current Age of Sigmar Hobby Track Top 5, we got Russell Tanner in first place, followed by Matt Abbott, Dan Sanchez in third, Brian Blickle in fourth, tied with Robert Snyder. Also, obviously, in fourth. The Shade or Warhammer Underworlds top five. We have Ivan Cho in first place. Glenn Dean moves into second. Jonathan Colson in third. Cody Handler in fourth. And Michael Melody moves into fifth. Kill Team current top five. We have Rudy Pertu Tataninen in first. John Sow in second. Lucas Carone in third. And Hill Alvarez Serrano, Serrano excuse me, in fourth. And Manuel Melguizo in Fifth. Right on. I have a lot of Underworlds tournaments. Tons there, of actually. Spanish players up there yeah, just yeah. crushing it. Right on. Cool. And of course, check out the other podcasts on the Frontline Gaming Podcast Network. We got Art of War, Art of War Down Under. Uh, we have a recap for 40K Today, which is a really great short news cast. And of course, Chapter Tactics. Check them out. Oh, yeah. The Canadians occasionally put out a 40K Stat Center. It's okay. You just had a baby. Val, we'll, we'll, we'll cut you a little slack. Check them out and make sure to. Give them all a listen. There's some really good content out there. All right, everybody. Let us know. Hit us with your questions. Neil Kerr in the chat says, a Swedish Space Wolf player is fourth overall. A Swedish Space Wolf player. That's he was on born the nose, to play man. Space That's Wolves. on the nose. He's, he is a Space Wolf. <laughs> That'd be like an Australian Orc player. It's just uh, a perfect fit. <laughs> uh, Captain Furious Gaming, have you guys put any FAQ questions for Granites to get updates with wounds like their Space Marine Brethren? Um, I haven't personally done that. Uh, I hold faith that GW will get to Grey Knights. Um, and maybe in the past when they've omitted factions in, you know, in like FAQs and stuff like that, it means generally that the faction is coming up soon. Um, so that might be the case there with Grey Knights as well. Who knows? Yeah, Grey Knights are their own thing. Same with Custodes. And uh, obviously, as we're seeing, Chaos Space Marines. Um, you're just going to have to wait, uh, wait and see what happens with those. Uh, honestly, you're probably gonna have to wait for your um, codex. Yeah, TLT. If if the, if it didn't get touched in the FAQ right away, I would say you'd probably be waiting for your waiting for your codex. But we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, TLT Triple X. Uh, we're not gonna be putting out battle reports. Uh, they are very very time consuming, um, and yeah. frankly, people are doing them really well right now. Yeah, there's so many people doing it better than we ever did. Uh, we made really good battle reports, but we just we never like I've said many times on the cast. We never got the views that made it worth worth the time investment to do one of those short form video battle reports that we used to do where we would be superimposed with the game playing behind us, which they're still fun to watch. Obviously, they're old now. That took 12 to 16 hours of labor to make one. And we're not doing it on Saturday for funsies. That was paid man hours that was taking us away from doing other things that could actually make the company money. So you're basically talking about two full days for two employees gone to make one video and we just weren't getting enough out of it. It's, it's not really worthwhile. So we'd rather support other channels like Tabletop Titans, like 40K in 40 Minutes. Uh, they're doing an amazing job. We want to see them succeed. So we're, we're focusing on supporting other channels now that are putting out really, really good content because they're doing it, they love it, and they're doing a really good job. That's, we'd rather do that now. Um, and then we'll just talk about games we play that's relatively easy. Yeah, easily. Uh, let me see. So uh, looking forward <clears throat> to the new. Oh, did you catch that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so someone asked about the um, the Void Dragon kit. 
uh, if it's going to come in plastic, if it's going to be, you're going to be able to build other satan. Um, I don't know, but I actually have some speculation there. I don't think it's a multi-kit. I think it's just a Void Dragon, but I, I don't, it, I haven't seen it. It would be really cool if they could, if you could make multiple Satan in that one kit. No, it's not because they show in the Codex the old other Satan. They would have showed off the Oh, yeah, they would have. Yeah, yeah that's I, I haven't seen the kit. I don't know, but I, I think it's a almost no 0% chance that it's a multi-kit. I'm pretty sure it's only um, the new one, but on the upside... It means that there's a good chance you might see the other ones in plastic eventually, and imagine how awesome those would look. I hope so. Yeah. They they definitely they, they, those resin fine cast models get sold out very fast, uh, and they're web store exclusive generally, so they're very hard to get a hold of, which does create uh, artificial demand in uh, like on the secondhand market on eBay and stuff too. That's um, I think maybe a little more negative for the community, but um. I, I just all things in time. Just mm-hmm. gotta be patient, right? Like everyone, obviously, every chap. Every army in the game is going to get a badass super centerpiece model. They're doing it in AOS, they're doing it in 40K. You just got to be patient, right? They can only come out with these so fast. Uh, phase that up. That's a good comment or a good question. You should be a guest appearance on Play on Tabletop. I would love to do that, except they are located in Canada, and I don't think Canadians are letting us in right now. <laughs> America's on the, we're in the sin bin, as my rugby coach would put it. Um, yeah, I don't think they would even let, let, let me in the country. And obviously that's a long way to go too, just to be in a video battle report. Uh, Will Gazgul Thraka ever get a regular release outside of the Space Wolf box? Asks Tro Clinton. Oh yeah, of course. I'm speculating. GW doesn't call me and tell me the release schedule of anything, but I would say almost assuredly yes at some point. He'll he'll, he'll get his own uh, release for sure. James Carmona, you complain about Chaos Space Marines all the time. Obviously one of my best friends. But in this instance, I think you have a totally justified complaint that Chaos Space Marines uh, did not get the same treatment that the Space Marines did. Uh, yeah. Tomodachi Express um, saying I should stream my D&D podcast or chap. So, so uh, I've been dropping hints on a um, an RPG, a tabletop RPG uh, campaign setting, basically uh, codenamed Bison Burger Soup, um, uh, which we're working on with a couple buddies. Um, to kind of add a little more to that, uh, we, we're going to be bringing it up to Kickstarter sometime in the future. Uh, we don't have any dates right now, but uh, we've started a, more importantly, we started on the blog, we started uh, an article series from the Brew Crew, which is an article series focusing on tabletop RPG homebrews, specifically D&D 5th edition homebrew, although it does apply to non-D&D 5th edition tabletop RPGs as well. Um, and so we've been playing a lot more D&D. That's something I've always been a big fan of. And I've been DMing for uh around 20 years now it's been it's been a while so that's super cool yeah dnd's a blast yeah. yeah i love i love rpgs my second favorite tabletop game outside of miniatures war games uh moosey too juicy asks the 30. Uh, 44 by 30 mats for uh combat patrol mariana what how far are you on getting all of those updated so far. that so far she says um, what what is your ETA on that, Mariana? We keep kicking that can down the road. When you when you think you have all the images ready to go? Friday, Mariana's saying Friday, and the reason why is uh, she does the graph all the graphic design work for us. So in order to put them in the web cart, we need to have all the images. We have a ton, a ton, a ton of different designs, so it, it takes a while. Uh, so it looks like Friday. I know we said today, last week, and then we said the week before the week before that. Um, we, what we can do is we can start putting them in the cart 
the ones that we have. And uh, they may not all be available, and then we'll, we'll put out the big blast on Friday. I know everybody's been waiting for those, um, but it's basically just a matter of labor. We're all working a ton right now, and it's uh, it's difficult to to keep up with everything. Um, all right, well, that's enough, I think, for this week. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Oh, and one other question for those of you who are asking. I forgot to address it. Do we think that the Deathwing thing is going to get FAQ'd? No, I don't. I believe it's absolutely the intent, uh, and it is quite good. And then some of the other things with Death Watch as well, some of the crazy stuff you can do with Death Watch with Primaris Marines and Special Issue Ammunition and all this stuff. A lot of people online have been saying that they don't think they think it's an oversight. I don't think it is. Uh, there's a couple things in there that might not have been all the way intentional, like combat squatting five bikes and then having them get some of the crazy stuff that they can get. Enjoy it, Death Watch players, because it's really good. Uh, and a lot of it actually was intentional, believe it or not. So thank you all for joining us for episode 705 of Signals from the Frontline. We hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to the Rhino for filling in for Frankie because um, your knowledge on Necrons was surpassing his. Check second. out. Go ahead. Oh, second most. Yeah. I speak the second most Italian. Uh, thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the show. Have a great week, and we will see you all next Wednesday. Peace.